Hey there, Pastor Dave Berkey with the Allenwood Church. Thank you for joining us today. I hope that you are blessed by the message. Remember, you can find every next step at allenwood.church. You can submit a prayer request there. You can send us a message. You can support the ministry. I hope and pray that the Word of God meets you in a real, impactful way today. Enjoy. Tanner, if you could grab the verse for me and throw that up if we have it. I think we fixed the technology, but we didn't do anything to fix it. So it was just like we had two full weeks of Jesus saying, nah, you don't need this. Learn to rely without it. But hey, it's here this morning. We're going to utilize this, but we encourage you if you're visiting for the first time, you have your own Bibles. You're able to take your own notes. You have something to take home with you because we believe that the Word of God is God Himself, that there's no mediator necessary, that you don't need Pastor Dave. You don't need podcasts. You can literally open up this Word, the Holy Spirit that sealed believers uh, gives us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts able to receive it. We're going to talk a little bit more about that today. We're finishing out a parable, the first parable that Jesus gives to his disciples. We're specifically going to look at a couple of pieces towards the end of Luke chapter 8. I'm going to be reading in verses 11 through 15. Remember, this is the second half of the parable. Parables are side by side. The first half are open for everyone to understand and grasp fully. The second side, Jesus specifically says, to all that are not his, they have been blinded and their hearts have been hardened and they don't understand the real depth of the meaning that is in the first half of the parable. Jesus, in our passage, is explaining to us what he means when he just recently was saying that a sower goes out, he sows seed, and as he's sowing seed, it falls on four types of soil. We're going to look at the fourth today, but essentially in its most natural sense, he says some of it falls on the wayside. It's really compacted, hardened ground. There's nowhere for it to settle in. The, the birds come and they take it away. The second half is the stony ground. It looks like it's going to produce the best kind of fruit. That seed falls, it immediately springs up, but we see that it springs up so quickly because it has nowhere to go deep. And in its quick springing up, it has nothing to root itself and it withers away and dies at the first glimmer of the sun. And then last week was the seed that falls on good ground, but it is sown among thorns. And so as that seed is producing after a period of time, the thorns grow up. And Jesus tells us that those thorns are the cares and the concerns of the world, the pleasures of money, the pleasures for much good. And what happens is there's still a plant that is produced, but it never produces fruit. It never comes to fruition. The whole intent in growing something is to receive something from it. And so in an agricultural uh production sense or an agricultural culture that is dependent upon food. It was its everything. They didn't have supermarkets. They had to grow the food. And if they weren't able to grow the food to fruit, nobody ate. It was an important thing. It wasn't like we just tried and if it didn't work out, we can go to Aldi. And we're at this final part here that Jesus describes for us what the good ground looks like. And he tells us, just as he's beginning to break it down to his disciples, that as the sower was sowing his seed, some of the seed fell on good ground. This is the one out of the four types of ground 
that we see anything productive come out of. The text specifically points to the fact that this is the kind of ground that Jesus is calling forth for his disciples to desire and want and do what is necessary to have. And this ground is in its imagery, a replacement for or in symbolism of our hearts. Talked about the word heart in the Bible, that it's not just our physical heart, but it's everything that makes us up in our being. The word heart is used a thousand times in the scripture. And in all ways, it talks about the mind and the emotions and the things that make up you as a person that even science can't quite define or put into neat little boxes, right? Your heart, it's your being. It's who you are as an individual created in the image and the likeness of God. Now this heart, Jesus is telling us he desires for it to be soft and that if it is soft, that this seed that is sown will grow up and not only will it grow up, but it will grow much fruit. In fact, Matthew and Mark give us instances where the kind of production of fruit is double, triple, and quadruple sometimes what was originally anticipated or expected. It's almost like the amount of fruit that is so much that it's almost unimaginable could come from the standard expected rate of harvest in even a good year. But because of the richness of the soil and the depth of the roots not being choked out and being able to grow up into full maturity, that they produce double, triple, and quadruple what was even anticipated in a normal good year. Make sense? Catch you up to this point? Here's where we're going today. I don't like to start the new year on January 1st as a pastor or the first week in January. I do that because I feel like there's so much hype around, you know, new traditions or New Year's resolutions. And by this time in February, we've all pretty much settled back into the things that we either did change or our old habits. We had a really good start and then we're kind of back in. So I like to kind of wait a little bit to let the dust settle. We'll get back into real life. And then we'll look at this year ahead and kind of decide what is ahead for us. What do we want for us? And a part of what I like to do as a pastor each year is to kind of cast vision for what the year looks like. And I couldn't have picked a better verse, I think, for this year for where our church is at. It's been almost six years since I've been here as the lead pastor. We've changed the constitution to what I think we have gotten as close as we possibly can to what the, the scripture in the New Testament uh, calls us forth to is a plurality and eldership and leadership with deacons and then a congregation that's highly involved and deeply cared for by those elders. And so we've come to that place. And now this year, we started the beginning of the year with a overview or a looking inwardly at our hearts going, what's the state of my heart, God. How much of it has been compacted and is like a wayside where I'm just receiving word, but it's not really sticking. Every bit of it's being taken away. We looked at how, how stony is the ground. <laughs> have we gotten rid of any of the stones or have we, have we fell more into the enjoyment of an immediate quick springing up and we get this quick little joy and then it's disappointment from there on out. <laughs> or has a lot of us inside been growing up and we've been hearing the word for a long period of time, but we didn't realize how many thorns there were. And so we have this great expectation of this fruit and we just never quite get there because the reality is that there are too many cares and concerns of the world around us. And last week we talked about 
almost this call forth in the scripture to till the garden of our heart, to let Jesus come in, wipe the thing clean and prepare it. It's not like a, if there's too much wayside or there's too much stone or there's too many thorns, you're done, don't even try, it's over. Jesus is calling his disciples and saying, the kind of ground that you want your heart to be is this fourth kind, it's good ground. And when seed is sown on it, it produces a harvest like you've never seen and could even comprehend. And so in a way, I wanted to bring this morning back to our call as a local congregation very briefly here before we move into communion. Verse 11, if you remember, of Luke 8, it reads, Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. 2021 is going to be a year of seed being sown. I say that as in, the Lord has brought us another elder and another potential pastor in the near future as well locally. I have given every opportunity and committed every day to even at a base minimum to read the word to you every morning. You can wake up and I know most of you don't like to hear my voice all the time. You get enough of me on Sunday, so you don't have to, but I'm pointing to like there's, there's so many opportunity to even on a surface level receive the seed of the word of God. But you have to take heed of where you're receiving because ultimately it's your hearts that the seed is being sown into. And so what kind of seed is being sown and who is sowing the seed? I'm going to explain that a little bit more here, but first to expand that and bring it home, this year for us is going to be a year of our elders. The only difference, the main difference between an elder and a deacon in the Bible is that our elders are able to teach and or preach the word of God right? They still have the same characteristics as deacons are required. They're supposed to not uh, be, be immature in the faith, not, not new believers, but have been tested and lived the life of an example. And then the Lord also gives them a desire to teach and the ability to teach. Set apart from everyone else and their character backs up the way in which they teach. And so as the Lord has kind of increased our eldership, the way that we've been praying for, we have, we have an elder-governed congregation. That means we make decisions together as an eldership, 100%. Pastor Dave doesn't get to make all the decisions. We do this together. But the main role that the Bible gives for the leadership of elders is for the ministering of the Word of God and for prayer. That is the job of an elder to sow the seed of the word. Now, what does that look like here at the Allenwood Church? What sets us apart and what makes that different? Here's what makes that different. And here's a good caution for you to think about and to pray about. We just spent a couple of weeks looking at the state of our hearts. We just spent a, look, a couple of weeks looking at, at what, what kind of soil do we have? Is it the kind of soil that's, that's humble, that's able to receive the word and to have it flourish? Or are there things that are getting in the way or that choked it out or, or that, that allow it to spring up but then be choked out because of the cares of the world? In that sense, there's a, there's a part of what kind of seed is being sown and who is sowing the seed into your life. There are many things that are being sown into your life. In many ways, I could talk about and give the analogy of any TV show or commercial being a seed that's being sown into your life. The world system is, I'm sowing this seed into your life. You need this. That's something that's being sown into your life. 
And that thing is growing up next to whatever else you're sowing into your life. Now, it's not to say that you shouldn't watch TV. That's not at all what I'm talking about. I'm just explaining to you that you are being sown into whether you like it or not. And so after looking at our state of our hearts, desiring the kind of state of our heart that Jesus wants for us to have, now we have to be cautious and think about who's going to be sowing what into who I am. And so what does that look like as a church? It means for us that as our eldership, we are going to be sowing the Word of God into your life. We're going to be transitioning our deacons into specifically deacons who wait on and serve the physical needs of the congregation so that the eldership can step back and sow the seed of the Word of God. And so we're going to have an influx of opportunity for you to hear the Word of God, to receive the Word of God, and where your heart is is what will determine part of what that growth is going to look like when it's sown, okay? Because the seed is not dependent upon the sower in many ways, if you allow for the Word of God at a base level, there is a promise of growth. And here's what becomes deceitful because the kind of crop that you're receiving is based upon the sower. If you're, let me put it this way. I had an opportunity four years ago to uh, put our sermons on the radio. And it was really cheap, and I even had somebody that was going to pay for the cost to do that. And I went through the process, and I looked at the paperwork, how much it was going to cost, what it was going to entail. And I got to the step of actually bringing one of my next sermons to the editor who would edit it and chop it up into 20-minute segments. And I'll never forget the Sunday that I preached that message. Because for the first time, I didn't have a small garden that I was sowing into. For the first time that week in preparation, I was thinking about how vast this amazing thing was. And so instead of my like walking down and very closely watching the kind of soil and evaluating and seeing what was happening, I was going like this. Oh yeah, we're gonna have an amazing harvest. This is gonna be great. We're gonna see what's going on. And I remember ending that Sunday going, that's not the kind of sower that I am. And I want you to hear that clearly. If there's anything that we've learned during this pandemic, that's not that any of that is wrong. There are many people that come to the Lord through tele-evangelists and radio ministries and all these different places, right? But if we're talking about a kind of harvest, we have to decide as a church, what kind of fruit do we want? Are we sowing acres and acres and acres of corn? Or are we growing and raising up fruit trees? More like Psalm 1 that, that is a description of firm, rooted, grounded things that when storms come, we provide the kind of shade and food and nourishment for those that are lacking and in great need. That kind of growth takes pruning. It takes even talking to sometimes. It takes evaluating on a consistent basis. It takes being able to see when a thorn begins to be produced to be able to grab it soon enough to where it doesn't grow up to the point where it just chokes everything out all the time. So I need you to hear the twofold of that. You have a decision, church, of where and who you're allowing to sow into your life. And I'm here to promise you this morning that 2021 for us, when someone steps into this pulpit, or we put something out on a podcast, or a book is written, that would be an amazing thing if that happened one day, the first priority of whoever that person will be will be expected, encouraged, and 
every which way pushed to be first sowing that seed among our local congregation. I take that seriously because I fully believe the word actually says that the elders of the congregation are going to stand before Jesus. And what we're going to give an account for is the souls of those who allow us to sow into them. That's a scary thing for me. That's a scary thing for any one of our elders that are raised up and begin to teach and preach the word of God. I can promise you here that the seeds will be sown and they will be sown by someone who's preparing beforehand for you as an individual. That's important to me as a local pastor, as the lead pastor. That's important to us as a small local church. And, you know, last week, this is exactly what I mean. Nothing wrong with it. I got a message from someone who's close with me, not anywhere near here. They were watching online. And I didn't mention anything about singles, like single people, because my thoughts go towards young families, those who have grandkids. We don't have a single person in our congregation that is single right now. That's not true, except Mitch. But we're, he knows that I'm, not, that I'm thinking about him, right? And Joe, anybody? All right, so, all right, so maybe I was wrong. Here's the, the point that I'm going to is the, the majority of who we are is going to define the way in which we approach the passage that the Lord has for us the week before. Pastor Jim is going to get up here and preach for us next week. This past week and the week before, he's been thinking about you. He's been thinking about the world that you live in every week. He's been thinking about the, the, the township that you're in and the state that you live in. And there are many times and many ways that that may apply to a multitude of different people all over the world and there might produce an amazing harvest because somebody takes some of that seed and they put it somewhere else. But I can promise you that 2021 is going to be a year of the elders of this church sowing the seeds of the word of God. So as you look at this and you're here at the Allenwood Church, I want you to just hear that loud and clear. I don't want to go any further into it. What Jesus is saying is that the seed is the word of God. It's not Pastor Dave's words. It is the word of God. John 1 says, I, Jesus, John 1 says that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is the word. Now that leads us into the baptism that we're taking place of here. Baptism is a representation outwardly of Jesus dying, being buried as a seed is, and then being raised to life again. I want you to think about that connection here. Jesus is the word. Seeds have to first die before they can be planted and then they grow. Our passage, the last word before I end it here, Luke says, keep it and bear fruit with patience. The kind of word that I'm praying for out of this congregation is going to be the kind of word that is going to need time for roots to dig deep. It's going to need space in your life. It's going to need a careful eye. You're going to have to be partly responsible for your heart. Where there are those that are watching over and caring for it, I need a commitment from you that wherever your seed is going to be put into your life, that you're going to be working alongside because ultimately baptism into the church of God is that you have a place in here. The role of elders in Ephesians 1, the reason that we sow the seed is for the building up of the body of Christ, the saints, for the work of the ministry. The real work of the ministry is your job. 
The work of the ministry is the abundant harvest, the abundant fruit that Jesus is talking about that happens when the word of God falls on noble and good hearts, the kind that is ready to, to prepare it and cover it up so that it can dig its roots deep down and that can sustain it and hold it and that it's got fertilizer in it and it's got everything that it needs to produce an amazing harvest. And the harvest is going to be, we don't know what it is. Any church that tells you that it's finances is a liar. John Wesley is known to go into poverty-stricken areas and out of his preaching the word of God and his congregations receiving it, they became some of the wealthiest congregations in all of the states and surrounding areas. But he also is known to go into other pastorates where there was tons of wealth and the congregation become the most, the most poverty-stricken, needed needful congregation that ever was this, this, this life where the word of God is going to produce the harvest that God wants because he's the one that causes the growth and he is the seed that must always remain it's not like you're picking the kind of harvest that you want that's not biblical you're letting the word of God be the seed that is sown and what God desires for the production of that to be it will be. The question not is what kind of a harvest do we want? It's how big of a harvest do we want God to have? Whatever it is, do you trust him that the harvest that he provides from the seeds that he sows are what is needed for you and for the congregation around you? This seed is the word of God, is Jesus. The word dies is buried, and then life springs forth. Today, we have two people that we're going to baptize, and the baptism is an outward expression of what Christ has done inwardly. Baptism is a public confession of their union with Christ in a beautiful and dramatic way. We believe that salvation is by grace, by grace through faith in Christ alone. And so, the act of baptism that uh, James and little Glenn are going to be being baptized in today is a full immersion because the word of God is what we stand on. Two things I just wanted to say. Baptism is required and expected in the Bible of those who are able to place their hope, faith, and trust in Christ and Christ alone. That being said, this is an outward example of what Christ has done on the inside. Bible declares that when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that we are saved at that moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit is sealed within us. It's a one and done deal. We're covered by the blood of Christ. We therefore then are walking around before God with the righteousness of Christ that covers us, not our own good works. So this baptism isn't adding, nor is it taking away from, but there is something uniquely special because it's commanded by Jesus in the Bible. And so we are commanded to make disciples of all nations. We do that by the word of God and to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And this baptism is a baptism into the faith. Also in the word of God, you will never see the word baptism ever. You can't even attempt to get it anywhere that it's anything other than a full immersion in water. Not in the Old Testament or the New. No sprinkling. So that's why we have the baptismal here. That's why the person that is getting baptized is being fully submersed because when we die to Christ, we die fully. And we're raised to newness of life. We're raised to full, complete newness of life. 
It's not like a sprinkling to get us halfway there and then we work the rest out. That is what's happening today with James and little Glenn. They're acknowledging the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ on their life. The Bible in Romans chapter 6 verse 3 says, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So they're making a public profession before us as a congregation. Uh, James was actually away at a Christian retreat uh, this past weekend or a weekend before, and they were baptizing people, and he said, I want to get baptized in front of my congregation. So I was excited for that when I heard it. I want you to be excited about it. And I always want you to realize this isn't just about James and Glenn. This is about us, church. This is an outward expression from two believers who've been washed and cleansed by Jesus saying, I am his. I'm here. This is why I don't like to marry people outside of our congregation because I take this seriously. It breaks my heart. We baptize people here that they're not with us right now. And I don't know if they're walking with the Lord or not. That breaks my heart. But in everything we are going to pray, come alongside of, love, be a part of sowing seed and discipling anyone that comes through our doors. And we're not going to withhold this from anyone because it is a command. Preach Jesus Christ, raise up disciples of all nations, and then baptize them. Fully immerse them. Let them come to saving faith in Christ and live it out. So, before that, Jesus has given us Holy Communion to be reminded of his body being broken and his blood being poured out for our righteousness sake. Nothing that we do as a sacrament in this church is something that adds to what's already been done spiritually. It's a representation of what has been done and what is being done. We have been saved. We are being saved. We have been sanctified. We are being sanctified. Jesus says, do this every time you eat and drink in remembrance of me. So in many ways, communion and baptism are very closely tied together because communion for us is a reminder that Jesus Christ laid his life down on the cross so that we might live with him by the same spirit that brought him back from the dead that now resides in believers. That's the core of this. We get all of that from the Word of God, and if it's not in the Word of God, if we can't convince you from the Bible, then we're sowing the wrong seeds. So we reside on this, we stand on this, I am corrected by this. 1 Timothy 3 talks about how the Word of God is there for reproof and for correction and for building up and encouragement. The elders are going to fulfill that role this year. You can hear that as a promise from me. I need you to come at it and ask Jesus to prepare the soil of your heart and to be cautious about where you're receiving the Word and allow for the Word to be tended to and cared for and watered by one another as a work of ministry that we might see what the Lord wants to produce this year. And 2020, for all of its flaws, I don't know if you got to see this letter, Jesus did some really cool stuff among us. Some really, really cool stuff. And so I'm excited. I hope you're excited and anticipated. So if you have not received this, raise your hand up right now. We'll, I'll, I'll get a couple to you. Zach, anybody else? Two, three, four. I'm going to take it back. Thank you. During the Passover feast that Jesus was celebrating with his disciples, he took the cup and the bread 
And in taking these two things, he gives them the full picture. The Passover was a representation, a reminder of God's faithfulness to bring his people out of Egypt, out of slavery. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection has set us free from the bondage of sin and death. And so as we partake of this in remembrance of Christ, we remember all the work that he has done in setting us free and calling us forth to live newness of life to him. This one actually has it written on, on it. As he takes the bread, you can peel the uh, <laughs> fake plastic bread. Representation, right? Not, not real. He breaks it. And he says, this is my body that was broken for you, his disciples. Each time that you partake of this, do it in remembrance of me. Will you partake with me together, church? And then at that same meal, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. It is a new covenant for you in my name. Each time that you eat together, do so in remembrance of me each time that you drink of this cup. This is an example of the blood of Christ that has been poured out for us, that covers us, allows us to walk boldly into the throne room of grace before him. We partake together with me. Don't forget to check in over at allenwood.church. Send us your prayer requests. Shoot us over a message. Let us know how the Lord's working in your life. Support the ministry in any way that you see fit. Be blessed today. We are praying for you. Walk with Jesus.